Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. Hello, we are the Fantasy Joes. I'm Ryan Livergood. Joining me this evening are Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood. Will's going crazy. What's going on, Will? It's just ready for a great podcast tonight. I'm hyped up about the players. The waiver wire went through. Definitely disappointment for me, but excitement for everybody else out there who got their guys. We're going to talk about them tonight. We're definitely going to talk about that. Trey, what's going on? What's up, man? I'm super happy to be talking football with you gentlemen tonight. We finally have a week, a full slate of NFL games, minus one that had to be a little bit delayed for a hurricane. But we got a lot of NFL action, a lot to react and overreact to. Things could not be better for a fantasy football fan. Yes, it's the overreaction show, I think. Um, and, and before we get started on, on talking football, I, I just want to send out a big thank you to the great feedback. If you listen to the first show, um, thank you for the positive feedback. We want to hear more of it. You can hit us up at thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or on Twitter at FFJoes. Um, and we, this is a show for, for you, so if you want us to talk about something, a player, do a fun segment, please let us know. And if you didn't listen to the first episode, please do. And if you listened, you might have picked up Tarek Cohen because you listened to Scott Fish, who was on the first show, and he told you to do so. It was a great call That's by right. Mr. Scott Fish. Uh, so we're going to start by talking about some of our highlights of week one and some of the disappointments for us for week one. Like the, the, we're calling this the average Joe moment of the week. And mine would be opening night, I think, because it was an exciting night. And you saw some exciting performances. Uh, Kareem Hunt, of course. We don't need to go on and on and talk about him. You've heard about him a lot. Um, but if you owned him in a couple of leagues like, like I do, you were very excited to see that. Tariq the Freak had a great performance. Alex Smith, who we're all banking on to be our, our uh, QB1 this year and all of our Superflex League. <laughs> you know, we all expected that, right? Um, Vanilla so, milkshake. <laughs> week, week one, we, uh, the opening night w- was, was great. It was very exciting. Um, uh, Will, what was your highlight of, of, uh, of the first week of the season? What was your average Joe moment of week one? My highlight is my Leonard Fournette love paid through against a very tough defense of the Houston mm. Texans. He trucked a few people, but I think my favorite moment of seeing that game was just the amount of trash he was talking back and forth with the Texans defense. He's a fun player. He's fiery. He's in there to, you know, he's going to be able to absorb contact. He's a big guy. Uh, so overall, my, my highlight of the week was having him in a couple leagues and just watching him play. Just happy he's in the league now and that, and that he I can actually play him on teams that I'm playing for money. Nice. And just the excitement he brings to the table. So much fire. Yeah, you, you've been talking all offseason, Will, about, about Fournette. And, uh, yeah, he, he certainly looks like a guy worth, uh, worth picking up. And it's certainly in Dynasty, and definitely in redraft leagues as well. Uh, Trey, what was your moment of week one? Well, th- so there's two. The first <laughs> was the uh, opening night. I mean, we couldn't have asked for a more entertaining game than that Patriots-Chiefs game. And uh, it was especially enjoyable for me because I kind of just had this feeling, as we kind of discussed last week when we were talking, that I thought the Chiefs would beat the Patriots. And I I thought an upset was coming. Um, 
So that was just, it was a great game. It was super exciting to watch. And then my second moment, and it's funny because I haven't heard many people talk about it, is, uh, and it was exemplified in the Minnesota Vikings game against the New Orleans Saints. After Stephon Diggs, superstar Stephon, scored his second touchdown, he turns and he punts the football into the stands. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, here comes a flag. And then I was like, oh no, that's right. They can celebrate again. Yeah. So I'm super happy to have celebrations back in the NFL. I need to see more punting the football. I need to see the crazy <laughs> celebrations that we just loved so much from guys like T.O. in the past 10, 20 years as football fans. I'm super excited that celebrations are back in the No Fun League. I think last year that was a 40K fine, too, if you punted a ball into the, into the stands. I don't know if that, that rule stood, but uh, It was a awesome. great moment. Just great awesome. moment. I, I love the call. That was a great, great, great take there, Trey. Um, now we're going to talk about our letdowns of week one. Um, I, I think the obvious one that we all could talk about, injuries, injuries, injuries. Um, you know, I'm a librarian. Um, I'm Matt wrote a librarian. You guys might remember that if you listened to the first episode. So I am in a Harry Potter uh, Sorcerer's Stone <laughs> league. So shout out to my league mates who are listening. And on that team, I've lost Edelman and Meredith. That was mm. the preseason. And now David Johnson. So that was a big letdown for me week one. And then uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, unfortunately, the Resurrection Stone does not work in real life. <laughs> no, no, it does not. No, it does not. Excellent. Well, you're going to get recruited for me for that reference. <laughs> Uh, well done. <laughs> and then um, I, I could go on about how I uh, drank unicorn blood in the uh, uh, sorting hat draft, but we're going to lose half <laughs> our audience if I do that. So, um, and the, the runner-up for me would be the Bears coming up short. Uh, yes, Jordan Howard should have caught that ball at the end of the game. I don't know that he would have gotten in the end zone, but yeah, they were so close. And that was disappointing. That was my, my big letdown. Will, what, what, what was your letdown or letdowns of one? Oh, I mean, so many. Because the, the, the highs and lows of fantasy football and the humbling experience, it was a high and low just to do, you know, starting this podcast and getting all this information together and all of our conversations and research to accumulate in week one and to just have players fail on you. Uh, is wasn't really a letdown overall, but definitely I think it's my favorite part of fantasy football is just the ups and downs. And you can't guess what these guys are going to do. But to focus on one thing that I did personally that was just, I mean – have faith in what you, what you do and in the players you picked on Saturday, not Sunday. I switched out the Jaguars defense for the Raiders defense in a league at probably 1130 central time. Wow. So basically game time decision thinking, Oh, I'm going to do it. Uh, I just think Mariota coming back from the broken leg and things like that. They're going to, and clear max is going to go sack crazy. And I just don't trust the Jaguars defense yet. And it was, I mean, I, I, you know, in, in the, in the result of that league doesn't matter because I'm still upset about it. So that was my, that was my definite low of the week. Yeah. That's the worst when you make that last minute decision and it doesn't pay off. That is the worst. Uh, Trey, what, what's, um, what about you? Letdowns. I'm going to get real personal here. going to try to, you know, fight back the tears, potentially gentlemen. I'm going to bear my soul before our audience. So last year I, decided, you know what, I want to start a fantasy football league. It's going to be a four-keeper league. It will turn into a dynasty. And I uh, was real excited. I got a great group of guys, of which now both of the gentlemen uh, that I'm co-hosting this podcast with are in. So uh, last year, I felt like my draft went really well. 
And then going into the season, my first, second, and third round draft picks all went down with injuries. AP, Sammy Watkins, and uh, Doug Martin. I don't remember what order I took them in. but So last year was a rough year for me in that league. I, I just struggled and uh, was a rebuild. I, I traded for some draft picks this year. So this year, you know, it's a fresh start. Of course, this is a dynasty league that I commission. And I'm like, I really am ready to make a move. I'd like to really compete. And then lo and behold, game one, after making one catch, Allen Robinson goes down. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And for those of you that know me, I own Allen Robinson. I love Allen Robinson. I own him in quite a few leagues. And, uh, but this was the league that most of all, I mean, I, after the injury, that was, it was the one league last year that I was hit hard with injuries. And so I was, I was just super disappointed when Allen Robinson got hurt. I mean, I literally remember when I got the uh, sleeper bot alert on my phone. I wasn't watching the games. I was out doing some stuff with my boys. And I saw Allen Robinson has left the game, you know, with a knee injury. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. So I'm hoping that it doesn't continue. But uh, that was that was the definite downside for me, the low point of week one. Yeah, that's that sucks. Yeah, yeah, just the injuries. Oh, we could go on and yeah. on. Oh yeah, but but you know, let let's um, injuries let's... you can't prevent. You can prevent switching out your defense thirty <laughs> minutes before game time. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't prevent your favorite team. Yeah, uh, I'm not on the field playing, game. but I'm sure yeah. still making mistakes in the background. <laughs> All right, Will gets it. Uh, you win. Let down of the week. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, well, we're going to move on from letdowns. So we're going to actually talk about in the next segment some guys that really impressed in week one. But here's the catch. We don't necessarily think these guys are going to continue their amazing performance this year. This is a segment we're calling the 2017 Fidget Spinners. <laughs> and I'm going to lead off, and I'm going to talk about a guy that, um, that, that I, I, I really hope this is a bad take on my part, and I'm totally off on this. I'm going to talk about Tarek Cohen. Um, and this is obvious. We debated whether even to talk about him on the show in this segment. Um, but, but we put him here because I just think that people are getting a little too excited about him. Um, I, I wasn't even going to say, talk about him on the show tonight, but John Paulson at 444 underscore John had this tweet this afternoon, and he asked people in, in leagues you know, across the country, what percentage of the fab budget in your league was spent on, on Cohen and a couple of other players? And people were posting, oh, 55%, 65%, 75%. I'm in a league, you know who you are, uh, who spent all of their fab money on, um, on Cohen. And I just think it's a bit of an overreaction. Um, you know, he had 12 targets in week one. Um, if you go and look at the top target leaders in the past couple of years, guys like David Johnson, guys like Le'Veon Bell, um, guys like Denny Woodhead in 2015, those guys only had double-digit targets in uh, four of their games on average. Bell only had double-digit targets in three of his games in 2016. So I just don't see the target um, targets being sustainable for Cohen. I think the Bears are going to implement wide receivers in their offense. are going to have to, even if they're guys like Josh Bellamy. Um, I think opposing defenses will adjust. He is small, despite what people are saying about him. The guy is small, and I don't know if he's going to hold up. So I hope I'm I'm incorrect on this one, but I just see his – his ceiling maybe being an RB two, and and I just have my doubts about that. So so Cohen is my guy that I think we've seen 
the, the best fantasy performance of the year from him. And I hope I'm off on that prediction. What, what, what do you think, Trey, of, of that call on Cohen? Yeah, I don't hate it. I, <clears throat> he's a guy that I'll be very interested to watch. Um, we talked a little bit in the off season. Um, Jordan Howard is a guy that I thought was going to have a little bit of trouble repeating the incredible uh, numbers that he put up last year. Potentially, I felt like mostly because the offense was going to have a really rough time. And their receiving core is just horrible. And yeah, losing Kevin White, you could debate whether that really was a big loss or not. Um, no, I think not. that, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, certainly. And, and he's and a big I, man. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I've, I've, I've given up. The this, this ship sailed on Kevin White. But he's a guy, I, Tariq Cohen's a guy I'll be interested to watch and see how he does. Um, I do think that if you own him and you have someone that's willing to pay a boatload for him, I don't know that he has long-term staying power. I think he'll have a niche role. I don't think – I mean, to expect to get the production that you got this past week maybe ever again in his career is probably asking a bit much. But um, I do think he'll have some value. Uh, but anytime someone has a, a game of that magnitude out of nowhere, um, except, you know, Scott Fish called it last week on our pod. So, <laughs> you know, I guess it wasn't completely out of nowhere. but. Um, you know, I think he definitely a guy you could shop around a little bit and, and see if there's someone that's just willing to overpay big time. Yeah. And I want to say, I said, I called that kind of a league mate in one of my leagues and in that league, it's not like there's a lot on the waiver wire and that that fab money is going to go very far. So that's part, partially the reason he did it. So I was thinking about that. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to call anyone out. That wasn't what I was trying to do. And in some leagues, I'm sure that was the case because waiver wires and dynasty leagues are pretty barren places, but in some of the, mm-hmm. you know, redraft leagues out there where people are spending that much money this early, I don't know. Will, what do, you, what do you think about Cohen? I have to hedge my own FOMO that I get with these uh, waiver wire people, especially week one, because I'm sad I missed out on Tree Cohen everywhere. I thought I put in some aggressive bids up to like, you know, let's say, I think I think it did up to like 30% in one league and still didn't get him. Uh, and the, the thing is, it depends on your team makeup and what you're doing. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I, I, I just... I don't see a huge downside to, to putting a lot of money into him if the Bears' offense is what we thought they were and not, and not, not overall that good and they're going to have to pass a lot and they're going to be in situations where he's going to be in the game. Yeah. I think Jordan Howard showed some, some lack of development in the passing game, but it is just one game, and I don't want to overreact. My question to you guys would be, so Tariq Cohen, I'm just going to throw out a couple names, a couple names for – you're saying try to sell high. So somebody offers you Mark Ingram for Tariq Cohen. What are you doing? Let's say uh, half point PPR. Oh, Ingram for me. I'll take him all day. Change, yeah. Does it change yeah. in standard? Uh, no, I'll still take Ingram. Yeah, I like Ingram more in standard. <laughs> yep. Okay, Theo, Theo Riddick or Tariq Cohen? That's harder. Uh, <laughs> I think they're very similar, to be honest, or they could be very similar. Um, I'm a Bears fan, so I would go with Cohen only because of my loyalties to the Bears, to be honest. But it's kind of a coin toss. Yeah, for me, that's a little closer. I like I like Riddick, and I know they like him in Detroit. Um, but I would probably um, take the gamble on – it's probably team-specific, but I think Cohen would be um, – you know, it's, they're pretty close. Uh, Riddick is last week's news. Cohen is this week's news. Yeah, that's right. Get him on the teams. 
Uh, no, but I think that's I think that's a good gauge. I think uh, Theoretic is my most comparable player as far as what I would want on my teams, and I would take Cohen over him just because Cohen has more unknown and more like mystery and fun around him. And this is the fantasy Joes. I don't know they're forty times comparably together, but I did watch them both play last week, and to me, Cohen's more exciting, and he's a player that I would rather own than Riddick season long at this moment. So that's a deal I would make. Uh, Ingram. I'd probably hold on to Ingram for now, but yeah, in general, temper your expectations. If you got him, congrats. Don't sell him low. Uh, if you didn't get him, don't pay, don't pay anything over the equivalent of Mark Ingram. I like it. Yeah. And, and I wrote him down early, you know, when the bears drafted him and, you know, you heard pre-draft the, what they call him the human joystick. And he certainly is exciting to watch. And, and yeah, it, it, I'm glad he's a he's Chicago bear, but but just temper expectations and you don't pay too much. Let, let's move on to another guy that exploded and, and really, you know, closed the week with fireworks. Right, right, Will? <laughs> That's a firework. <laughs> you, need, you, you, need, that. you need three fireworks, Will. <laughs> because because what would you do if 66.6, repeating, of course, percentage, percentages of your passes were caught for tutties? for the one and only Denver Broncos. And we're talking about the shining light, the light at the end of the tunnel. We're talking about Benny Fowler the third, Not the second. <laughs> Get the second out of here. Don't draft him. Don't draft him ever. The third. Bring him on to your squad. He scored two touchdowns on three catches for 21 yards. Kidding, That's of course. <laughs> Get him out of here. He is the biggest flash-in-the-pan player that I've seen this year so far. And the reason, the only reason I brought him up tonight He's been talked about in other podcasts and specifically just as like a, Hey, this is a guy to watch, you know, maybe don't spend all your fab on him. Maybe don't go crazy, but keep him on your radar. I really don't think Benny Fowler needs to be on your radar. Go ahead and let somebody else waste a roster spot on him. Keep a second quarterback instead of Benny Fowler at this standpoint, do something that is going to benefit your team in the long run. I don't see him being a long-term value. He's 26 years old. He is six foot one has a massive spark score in the 82nd percentile. He is athletic. He's been on the team for a while. But in general, that passing offense and his touchdowns are based on complete randomness. They're not not based on talent. They weren't, like, watching the game and and seeing how it went. They weren't based on, like, like, super athletic plays or anything overly special. He only had three catches in the game for 21 yards, and two of those were touchdowns. This is the warning player of the year. I don't, I did not see him picked up in a lot of leagues that I was in. I don't see him picked up across the board. But again, the only reason I wanted to just mention him in this thing briefly was that he is like people will, like there's Benny Fowler truthers out there for sure. And don't fall into the trap of being convinced or talking to or like convinced by or making an offer for him just on the side. Better to just sit and wait, let it go. If, if he goes off for another two touchdowns next week, we'll. You know, I'll you know I'll eat crow. So we'll we'll go from there. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Trey? You want to fight for uh, or advocate for picking up uh, Mr. Fowler the third? No, actually, I'm 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 just gonna pass on that one. I don't. Uh, we'll hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, you know, if you look at uh, football outsiders, they have that DVOA versus receiver types. And last year, Denver, you know, they ranked you know, number two against wide receiver ones and number one against wide receiver twos. And they were number four against other wide receivers. They were outstanding against everybody. But I think that was, uh, 
Oh wait, well, I, I just blew that stat. I'm gonna cut that out of the show because I wasn't. I, I got my teams confused. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'll leave it in. That's what happens when a Joe tries to uh, go go quote some statistics. Okay. Well, it's also uh, planning to build him up more before slamming him down. But I just got on the roll. I just had to take him down. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was good. I can't believe I just did that. Um, <laughs> okay. What? It's the Joes. I, it's the Joes. I, I can put that in the outtakes at the end. That's that's what I'll do. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, ben, Benny Fowler the third. Yeah, we can we can move on. We've already spent maybe too much time on him. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to to another um, another player, and and Trey, who is a, a guy that that um, impressed in week one that you just doubt they're going to continue their amazing performance. Well, this is a guy that I, um, I, I believe that he certainly has value moving forward, but he's a guy that I think you could possibly sell high on right now um, because I believe he's in the top, at least going into Monday Night Football, he was a top 12 running back, and that's Jonathan Stewart. Um, I think what you saw, you know, the, the receiving touchdown is what took him, you know, a little, I think over the top. I don't think that you can expect many receiving touchdowns from Jonathan Stewart this year. Um, he was significantly outsnapped by CMC, who, uh, you know, as a rookie, it's his first game in the NFL. Jonathan Stewart is a very well-respected veteran, and CMC outsnapped him, um, I think, something like 47 to 29 snaps. It was a significant amount of snaps that McCaffrey was on the field compared to Stewart. Now, Stewart out-touched McCaffrey, um, but a large part of that was due to the running out the clock toward the end of the game. I don't think you're going to have many game scripts where Carolina is going to be leading by 20-plus points for 26 minutes of the game, which is exactly what happened Sunday against San Francisco. They don't play San Francisco every week, and the explosiveness of McCaffrey – I think is going to continue to earn him the majority of touches in that backfield. It's only going to get better. I don't think that you'll ever have a point this season where Stewart is going to become completely irrelevant, but he's going to be highly, highly touchdown dependent. And after putting up the kind of numbers he did in week one, if you can find someone out there that will, will give you a a significant piece for Jonathan Stewart, just because they see that he put up 15 points in a half PPR league this past week, I'm selling all day long. He's not a guy that I mind having on my bench, but I would definitely buy it. And I don't own him anywhere. If I did own him, I'd be shopping him just to see what I could get for him. What are you looking for, Trey? What if I offered you Terrence West? Would you take that deal? You know, honestly, I would. I would prefer to start Terrence West in uh, the majority, especially seeing how impressive Baltimore's defense was this past week, how good they looked. They've revamped that defense. So I think you could see – I know that, you know, Buck Allen is the new hotness, but, you know, Danny Woodhead is gone for six to eight weeks, and you can't convince me that Danny Woodhead's going to be healthy when he comes back. I don't see him being an impact guy this year. So Terrence West is a guy I think that has a good opportunity. There's going to be some positive game scripts there. So, yeah, I think that he is a guy I would be pretty happy to get for Jonathan Stewart. Will, what do you think? What if I – you got Jay, Stu, and I offer you uh, Terrence West? I would take that trade offer and I'd throw it on the ground <laughs> because I love Jay Stu this year. He was one of my hot takes last week and he's a secret coming up. I bet you he's in my hot takes this week. Uh, 
I just, I just think you have, I don't know. I, I can't really explain all the reasonings in a short period of time of why I love Jay Stu so much this year. I, I've traded him in a league and I regret it. Uh, it was a good deal for me, but uh, I still, I think Jonathan Stewart still is going to be a touchdown machine this year. That offense is better. Camden's only going to get better at throwing the ball after last week. I mean, hopefully, or he's going to be out of the league. He'll be one or the other. He'll improve or, or be gone. And that offense is just better. It's going to move the ball. And they're going to be, I think they're not going to be a big play team. They're going to be moving the ball downfield uh, systematically. And Jay Stu is going to be housing the ball all the time. And so I, I don't, I don't believe that. I mean, like it, for Terrence Ralt West, I could, see Javor, I could see Buck Allen taking his job next week. Terrence West hasn't been good. I've owned him and been so frustrated owning him in the past. He's not a player that I have any interest in. And in opportunity, like, it's fine. But it, it, even with tons of opportunity, he hasn't done anything with it. So at the end of the day, uh, I love Jay Stu. And I disagree with Trey. But I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, it really just comes down to usage. I mean, I do. I mean, you know, the Panthers in a huge positive game script where Stewart is likely to get the most touches and the most usage out of 67 offensive plays. Jonathan Stewart was on the field for 29 of them. I mean, that's just and then you have the rookie who this is his first NFL live game action in the regular season. He got 47 snaps. So. I only see that snap count. I mean, I feel like this was the best game script for Jonathan Stewart's usage all season. I mean, he could be completely irrelevant in fantasy in six or seven weeks. So that's my only, that's my only thing. Like I said, I don't hate Jonathan Stewart. I just think that you could, and, and, and I would aim higher than a guy like Terrence West. I, you know, if there's someone out there that, I mean, I would see if you could get Amir Abdullah. Someone's, you know, just there, Abdullah stunk it up week one. And they're willing to give up on him, and they see Jonathan Stewart scored the touchdown, and they don't. They maybe they just saw the points, and they didn't really look deeper at the stats. Man, I'd love to get a guy like him, and and that may be crazy. You might not, but I've seen some crazy trades go down, even even today in some of my leagues. So, you you just never know. Maybe you could get someone that is willing to. It, it never hurts to shop him. You never know what you can get until you start looking around. Um, 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 um. That's my impression of Jay Stu eating up all the touchdowns. So, <laughs> so I think we know the answer at the end of the day, though, um, with uh, Jonathan Stewart. Buy, sell, or hold? So, Trey, you're, you're selling, right? Yeah, I'm a hard sell. Will? Buying or holding? Buying or hold. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I'm probably a hold. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think you should try to sell him if you could get Amir Abdullah, but I, I don't know that that happens. But you never know. That's the one thing you never know in your league. If you look at the the where players finished, and if you think a guy is not going to repeat, try to sell, shop him around. There's always one guy. Mm-hmm. It's, well, what, what do you think spe- and I'm speaking uh, specifically to redraft dynasty. Give me Amir right. Abdullah all day. Uh, redraft. If you, you know who you are, offer me Jay Stu for Amir Abdullah. See what happens. <laughs> all right all right um i, I want to move on and talk about um this uh this tight end who has uh has teased us over the years the the potential we hear about his opportunities he's played with these two great nfl quarterbacks he was a top five fantasy tight end after week one uh who, who is this guy gentlemen who am i talking about anyone know any guesses you gonna take him to the cleaners 
It's Kobe <laughs> Fleener. And the reason I want to bring up Kobe Fleener, and I want to talk briefly about him. I don't want to go on and on. I just want to remind everyone, you know, listen to some other podcasts. You know, there are people that are giving Kobe Fleener this buzz. And, oh, he's going he's gonna to have this breakout year. And um, he's going to have this uh, regression to, towards more touchdowns this year. And I guess that's possible. But let's not forget that this guy isn't special. Um, he, Willie Steve will be back in a few weeks. And I want to take everyone back. I want us to get in the DeLorean and go back to 2016 in the middle of the season. And there was this guy, Josh Hill, that Kobe Fleener lost snaps to. Uh, so just remember that. Don't go crazy with Kobe Fleener. I think if he has a great performance against the Pats, and I think he could in week two, go ahead and shop him, sell him. He's not special. He's going to be inconsistent. Uh, so I'm a big, uh, big sell Kobe Fleener guy while you can. Well, what do you think of that? I'm on board. I'm on board the Fleener Cleaner Express and, and getting rid of him. I mean, it, it, I feel like you're, he's a streamer, and if you streamed him week one, that's a win. Take that win and get out. Yeah. Trey? I'm with you. I think that if you can't sell him this week, you might be – I mean, the Patriots are uh, – I know historically, meaning last year, they were pretty good against tight ends. Um, you know, we talked about the Thursday night game earlier in the pod. I mean, the, the Patriots' defense was broken last Thursday night. And obviously they kept Kelsey in check, but that was their number one guy that they needed to take away um, against the uh, – in playing the Chiefs. So I think Fleener could have a tough time this week. Um, he has a plus matchup the following week against Carolina. So if, you, if, if for some reason you um, aren't able to sell him this week after that performance – he might not do as well this week, but, you know, he, he's a guy that and, – and I think, you know, Willie Sneed, once, Will, once Willie Sneed comes back, you're going to see the, uh, the targets kind of start to go away. I think I saw somewhere on Twitter today, and I wish I could give credit to who put it out there, but I want to say that Fleener's career target percentage is like 12%. Um, in games that Willie Sneed has missed, it's like 20%. So it's clearly – an increase, uh, significant, like two-thirds increase in targets just because Sneed's out. So you've got a, a short window to get rid of Fleener, get something out of him. All right, Trey, give me one more guy. Give me one more 2017 fidget spinner. So my last 2017 fidget spinner, and, and I, might, I might take some heat from this because this is a guy that's been getting a lot of hype, and I'll tell you this is a – this is a redraft-only take, but Kenny Galladay is a sell now, sell high for me. Uh, in, in Dynasty, in Dynasty, Shame. I would not be selling him. I would, I would hold. I think there's some value there long-term. But in redraft, I mean, this past week, it was just a perfect storm for him. Um, the um, Arizona Cardinals – sorry, I had a brain fart there for a second – Arizona Cardinals last year were either number one or number two in their rankings in tight end defense. They're the points that tight ends scored against them. Um, so going into this game, Eric Ebron was not going to be utilized in the passing game. He, I mean, he's even kind of said as much. Someone, I saw someone tweeted at Eric Ebron about how terrible he played. And he tweeted back saying, basically, I did what the team asked me to do. We got the win. Move on. Um, because of the defense that the Cardinals play against the tight end, 
I mean, Ebron was used a lot in the blocking. So I, I really do. I mean, I'm not calling for an Ebron breakout, but I'll tell you that I do believe he's going to be utilized more in other games. Um, and Galladay, you, you just can't expect two touchdowns every week. That, I think, goes without saying. Um, he was targeted seven times, which is a decent amount of targets. But, I mean, some of the love right now for this guy, um, I think you could go out and get a big time. I mean, the, I think the sky's the limit. There are people that are paying up studs that struggled in week one for Kenny Galladay. So he, he's the guy. I'm not saying that he's going to have a terrible remainder of the year. But uh, he's certainly a guy I think you could flip right now in the redraft world. So, Will, what do you think about that? If, if you got Kenny G, are you going to, you going to hold on to him or are you going to try to flip him? He's he well, so big weeks. With, with Midi-Tron, I've been sitting here listening to some nice, relaxing alto saxophone music and loving some Kenny Galladay. But I am completely on board with Trey on this. It – he so I, my my basis for this opinion is around Marvin uh, uh, Marvin Jones and what he was doing during that game. He was mainly covered by Patrick Peterson and shut down. He still kind of touched down. He he you know he only had two catches. It was a it was a tough game for him. And so where do you go in a passing game that's not their run game was stopped. It was it was it was terrible. And so where do you end up going? You end up going where the weakest coverage was, and it's, it's Kenny Galladay. And I think Kenny Galladay flashed, and he looked good. I don't want to take that away from him. But I think that you're going to get, you're going to get a, back to the mean this week, uh, and you're going to see Marvin Jones getting more looks. You're going to see more rushing when, in the red zone. You're going to see more of a normal offense. It just is this is the outlier. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say I didn't, didn't want him in free agents this week, but – if you have him and somebody offers you in redraft something decent for him, it's, I think it's time to move. Like I would trade Kenny Galladay for Marvin Jones in redraft. I would switch out those two receivers. Yeah. Uh, in, in Dynasty, I think he's a hold and, and sit on your bench and see how it goes. And there's been crazy offers out there, and maybe you can get something great for him. But in general, just don't, don't overdo it with him. Just, just take a relax. Either, either stand pat. And, and relax with him or sell high if you have the opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree with redraft. And just to reiterate, Dynasty, we love this guy. And if he has a bad game or two and you could get him cheap in Dynasty, uh, do it. I mean, he really only had two red flags as far as I'm concerned coming out of college. Um, his age, 23 years old, kind of old for a rookie wide receiver. And he had bad numbers against the few Power 5 schools he played in college. But he dominated in college. He, he's fast. He's big. Uh, he can make contested catches as you've seen. So yeah, we, we love him in dynasty, but, but redraft. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely overhyped. Um, what a good guy to root for. His story is incredible. If you don't, I'm not going to go through it, but go back and read through it in dynasty. If you have him or want him. Yeah. Great dude. I'm going to just give you a couple quick examples. I just spur of the moment. I thought, let me just go on Twitter, search for Kenny Galladay trades. These are two trades that went down. People are asking for feedback on they're both redraft. One of them, basically the two teams swapped defenses. One had the Broncos, one had the Eagles, so that's meaningless. It was mm -hmm. Kenny Galladay for Michael Thomas. <laughs> are you kidding me? Wow. Like, oh, man. Are you kidding me? The other one is Carlos Hyde. Is that the Michael team... Thomas for the Rams? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, okay. not. No, it's ridiculous. The other Maybe. one is Carlos Hyde and T.Y. Hilton for Kenny Galladay and Bilal Powell. Like, come on. That's stealing. So I'm just saying – 
when I when I talk about selling Kenny Galladay, don't I don't want to be labeled as a, a Galladay hater. I'm just saying if these are the kind of trades that are going down in leagues, take advantage. If you've got him, the worst that people can do is say no. I've learned that in the trade game. The worst that people could do in a redraft league is say no. So, yeah, good good call. Really good call. All right. Well, who's who's your last guy? Jumping into the last guy here is Nelson Aguilar for the the Philadelphia Eagles. He flashed a little bit this week. He had a great touchdown catch from Carson Wentz, who scrambled around. He was – I mean, he made this play. Aguilar was a lucky recipient. But the thing – so I want to say he's the flash in the pan because of this flash touchdown that he had. And his stats don't look at what he did, like what what was representative for the game. I don't think that you should go in and buy on him in fantasy. If you have a roster spot that you can open up, you can take him. Uh, but don't make moves. Don't make offers. Don't invest too much in him. The one thing that I am just super interested about Aguilar's future is they have held on to him forever. He's a first-round pick. He's not a cheap signing anymore. He's not just roster fodder that they can keep on the team easily. And they've kept him around. And he finally, I mean, he's finally not dropping the ball. He's finally making catches when he should. And he's made some plays, and he's been there for the quarterback, and he's been there the whole time that Wentz has been there. I mean, it's the second year, but he's been there the whole time. And I think we all fall in love with these new receivers like Alshon Jeffrey and all those guys, and he's been the, the constant. And so, again, don't – I, I, I want to say, like, if somebody's asking you to, to, to buy high, and I, if I were to categorize him, he gets categorized as a fidget spinner or a pog. He's a short-term fad within that Eagles offense. But if you're in dynasty – I think this is a great time. If he's on your waiver wire, pick him up and stash him. Don't let him just sit there. He is worth owning in Dynasty and not in a redraft. That's my take. For redrafts, would you take Aguilar? I can't even say his name. Nelson Aguilar or Cooper Cup? Oh, man. Lots of silence in between because <laughs> that's a tough question. Yeah, it uh, is I'll tough take question. Aguilar. I'll take Aguilar. I thought about that. I, I initially thought I'd lean cup, but I actually, I, I would take Aguilar. And, and the reason I ask is that that's a, that's something that many people faced on the waiver wire and redrafts. They both were kind of sitting there. So that's why I wanted to ask Trey, what about you? Yeah, I, I would, I would take Aguilar as well. I, I, I we were talking before we started recording, you know, I, my <coughs> beloved Florida Gators. Um, he, he came out of a Berkeley prep high school out of Tampa, Florida. And, he was recruited by the Gators. So I kind of followed him uh, all the way through college and, you know, super, super talented guy. And sometimes it just takes guys a few years to come around. I mean, if you, I know that, you know, Will kind of turned me on to playerprofiler.com. If you look at his metrics on there, he's got some impressive metrics. They compare him to Jeremy Macklin. And I think Jeremy Macklin's success in the NFL is pretty well documented. The Eagles felt, I think, felt good enough about Aguilar to trade away Jordan Matthews, who I think is a very talented young receiver. So I really – Aguilar is a guy that I think is a, is a definite buy in Dynasty. And in redraft, I would take him over Cooper Cup as well. All right. We're Ryan, on a, you got to weigh in. You got to weigh in. I, I just have to echo what you say. You know, I, I like him and I like the fact that, you know, you know, you can look at some statistics and maybe there's a bit of a myth about that third-year breakout in wide receivers. But, no, I like his situation. Heard the offseason buzz, and I think this is real about how they like him. They're going to use him in the offense. So, no, I, I think your, your takes are spot on. I, I definitely think he's worth it in Dynasty. And I think he could have an okay year. I wouldn't go crazy. But, but yeah, Nelson Aguilar, if I could finally say his name, 
yes, I'm going to pick him up. <laughs> I would say and, and, uh, he's more of a, a beanie baby. Like he's going to be a couple year fad, not just a one season one. So that's why in Dynasty, I think you should grab him. Let's go from beanie babies to um, another segment. This is kind of a nice segue because I think a lot of beanie babies ends up in your trash can or your dumpster after a while, <laughs> because what do you do with those things? They're not really worth as much money as you think. So we're calling this next segment the dumpster dive. Yeah. These are guys that might have been dropped in your, in your, uh, in your fantasy football league, uh, whether it be redraft or even dynasty, because sometimes in dynasty leagues, there's a guy like Cohen on the waiver wire, and you got to drop somebody to pick him up. So that uh, is what we're going to talk about. Uh, but first of all, I have a question for you guys, a little quiz. Do you guys know who the top drop was in ESPN? This is redraft week number one last year who was the top guy that was was dropped percentage wise week one week one last season 2016 should have been keenan allen after he tore his acl it, it's a very good guess probably was not but it, but it's not i'm guessing it's someone that might have actually been relevant later in the year that would be a good guess will you have any guesses oh man He's no a- it's gonna take me too long to think uh can we get a hint? I like he, this. He, he did not play in week one. Spencer oh, where? No, he didn't play in week one. Uh, oh. Of, it, it, because uh, uh, he didn't Natural play week disaster, one this year. Yeah, Natural Disaster canceled his game. Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi. Oh. You got it. You got it. Little so, Arian Foster great fears. Stat, great stat. Wow. So I just wanted to point that out because sometimes, you know. He didn't people, play week one last year either because of personal disaster. <laughs> right right so seriously like yeah so I, i'm not saying we're gonna identify you know this year's jhi but it's something to think about and, and it's all, just like with your, when you're picking up guys off the waiver wire and redraft you know um 2015 you could have picked up david johnson or you could have picked up pick it up uh bishop sankey you know it just depends on what you did and um the same with uh drops so we're going to talk about some guys that might have been dropped this week that you might want to consider picking up and i'm going to throw it to trey first to talk about some guys that you're going to dive into the dumpster to pick up absolutely first of all kudos to ryan with the mad amazing stat drop of the night i mean dude i'm i'm a little my mind's still a little blown over here with that (laughs) the librarian reaching back into the archives yeah what what can i say man i'm that was that was hot man i like it so for me uh, the, the first guy that came to my mind when I, we were talking about putting together this uh, segment was none other than Thomas Rawls. But then I had to add a second name because he's a guy in the same backfield that I think has some potential this year. He's a guy that I uh, picked up in a couple dynasty leagues uh, a couple weeks ago, and that's Chris Carson. Um, so Thomas Rawls, when he's been healthy – has averaged over 100 yards a game rushing. So despite the fact that that offensive line is just in shambles, despite the fact that the offense in general looked terrible against what has typically been a a fairly exploitable Green Bay defense, um, I really believe that that offense is going to be a a top-tier offense and has the ability to score a lot of points. And while I do think that Rawls and Carson – uh, could end up eating into each other's work a little bit. I think Rawls will be the guy that's going to get a shot as long as he's healthy. So, and, and and I'll be honest, I, in one league, 
picked up Rawls off the waiver wire today. And in another league, I have a waiver wire that's still pending to pick up Thomas Rawls. So he's a guy that I know from personal experience is on waiver wires. Um, Chris Carson, you know, I went and looked a little deeper. He had 26 snaps this past week. Eddie Lacy and CJ Procise combined for 23 snaps. So an undrafted rookie seeing his first live game action in a big time game that many people were calling a preview of the NFC championship game. Point of order. touched the two of them. I believe he was a seventh round pick, Trey. Let's get the guys. Oh, that's right. Seventh round pick. Basically undrafted. (laughs) No, (laughs) you're, you're right. Seventh round, but but no, yeah, same. Yeah, so but I mean he and and I just said out touched it was he out snapped the two of them combined. So you know I think that uh, he, those are guys that if you can stash at the end of your bench, um, I think that you know they both could get some play. And I do think that if Rawls continues to struggle with the ankle injury, and and Carson ends up getting a shot, he could take over that backfield. So yeah, absolutely. Remember. Rawls has not played a full season of football since high school, everybody. That's true. Uh, And Pete Carroll said today he's anxious to see more of rookie running back Chris Carson. Will, (laughs) what do you think? Do we pick up this duo or or at least one of these two guys? I mean, if bench space is available, these guys are great stashes. I think the question that you need to think about on your own opinion is, is there a Seahawks running back that will be startable this year? And if the answer is yes, then these are the two guys I think you should grab. I think Procise, I think he's, he's, he's a good stash if you can't figure out who else to keep. Uh, but, but Rawls hasn't played yet. He's had injury history. But when he's been in games, he's been startable and he's been good. I mean, you know what, like 75-plus percent of the time. So he's a safe start when he can play. Just don't think that he is a solution to any of your problems except for week to week. That would be my uh, – my suggestion is just to think to yourself, think, hey, do I want a Seahawks running back? And do I think that a Seahawks running back this year will be able to produce at the point where I would feel comfortable starting them? And even just go week by week if at this point. If, and it depends on your roster makeup, of course. But that's my – I mean, that's, at the end of the day, that's my opinion on them is you need to decide how you feel about them. I love Carson and his opportunity because Pete Carroll does not – we talked about it last time – doesn't care about where you're drafted and how much value you have. And Rawls has – proven to be an RB1 week to week occasionally from time to time. And so I, I love these guys. It just is it, – it pains me to say that, like, the Seahawks running game sucks. Like, it just is bad. And you need – you have to rely on that. And if you can't, then don't. And if you can, you, you're, you're willing to take that risk. These are good guys to get. Yeah, that's a good point about the offensive line because that, that line is atrocious. And from what I saw that game, it's just – it could be a really long year. But it's one week, and yeah. uh, let's see if they can coach those guys up. Uh, and their offensive line's been – I mean, their offensive line has, has not been good the last few years. Right. And they've had some very, very fantasy relevant – you know, I, I think the key for them is going to be getting Russell Wilson going. They've got, you know, Richardson and Lockett on the outside. They've got Doug Baldwin, who's an incredible receiver, Jimmy Graham. So I think once you start to see that offense click a little bit and the passing game open up, and the threat of Russell Wilson to run, there's going to be some running lanes, even with, I think, a, a poor offensive line. I mean, the, we all know, you know, that they've had some fantasy relevant running backs in the past several seasons, despite a poor offensive line. So 
Um, I, I think that, yeah, and of course, I think running backs are just great stashes on your bench and redraft because you're just likely to lose a running back or two to injury as the season wears on. So these guys would make great spot starts or fill-ins for bye weeks. Yeah, and their offense could still be really good. Russell Wilson, I think, is going to bounce back and have a great year. And and top yeah. offenses, they tend to have uh, top fantasy running backs. Let's talk about someone else. And, Will, why don't you talk about um, some guys. You, you looked in the dumpster and, and you see, see a hand sticking out. You're thinking, I'm going to grab that guy and save him, and maybe he's going to be viable for my fantasy team. The, the first guy that I want to talk about here is actually the last guy named on our list, but it's, it's Shane Vereen. And looking at his stats last week, uh, nine catches. He didn't score a touchdown. The Giants offense looked terrible, but at least he looked like uh, best of the rest in that backfield. And the thing I want to focus on is I've just seen him dropped everywhere. And if you're talking about a dumpster dive and you're talking about a value where if you had David Johnson go down and you had something else happen on your team that just has made it go a little south, you need a flex play, you need an RB2, but the rest of your team can be strong and you need a little fill-in. Shane Vereen is he's very minimal risk. He's easy to pick up. You didn't have to spend fab dollars at this point. I mean, or at least minimal. And uh, I could, I, I just don't, I'd I see him having a role where it, if you're in PPR, he has, you know, he has 10 plus point upside each week because he can grab a lot of balls. Uh, in standard, he at least has a touchdown upside if they can't, you know, if they're well covered and, he has, and Eli has to dump it off. Eli's looked bad in the preseason, in the regular season. And so he, he has this outlet in Shane Vereen. And I think that People are just dumping him because that offense looks so bad and they're, you're missing an opportunity. He is the better version of a Jets running back, you know? That's the way I feel about him. <laughs> That's not saying a whole lot. Just like, I mean, uh, he's, no, I mean I yeah, he's like the C plus to a C, you know? Or like a, <laughs> it, it's, it's not perfect. But as far as dumpster dive go, uh, uh, I I would feel comfortable starting Shane Vereen this week if I had to. If I got some, if I'm doing studs and duds, or I need a fill in for this week because something happened, I, I would start. I, I would feel honestly feel comfortable starting Shane Vereen this week. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. He he's certainly a guy that you can plug into your lineup in the flex, or if, if you have to, you know, running back. If you had David Johnson and you lost out on on all those guys because you didn't spend enough fab money, he's a guy if you're desperate you could pick up. Uh, and, and play. Trey, what, what do you think about Shane Vereen? Yeah, I agree, especially in PPR format, formats. I mean, half PPR, yes, full PPR, definitely. And, um, I mean, he led the team this last week in both targets and receptions. He's targeted 10 times. He caught nine passes. Um, I think he scored 15 points in full PPR format. So, I mean, that's a great the, – the, the only problem is I think part of why he was so heavily targeted this week was the lack of OBJ and the fact they were in a negative game script the entire game. Um, so I think some of that could change in games that they're winning or once OBJ comes back. Um, and, and, you know, but he, like Will said, he's free. He's a guy you stash at the end of the bench. And, you know, in PPR formats, he could be a great spot start. One guy I want to talk about. Um, moving on to a wide receiver is Will Fuller. I mean, we're going deep into the dumpster. No one's talking about Will Fuller right now. That's kind of why I like him uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, he's, you can, you can pick him up and put him in your IR spot. If you have an IR spot uh, free right now, which you may not. Um, and I think this goes for redraft and dynasty because people forget. Uh, the reason I thought of Will Fuller this week is because when I was looking back 
at those uh, people that were added and dropped, you know, after the week one season, Will Fuller was at the top of the list for wide receivers because he exploded against the bears. I remember that game in week one in 2016. And I, I think he has, and even he dropped off a cliff last year. I think he it has potential. He has bad hands. He's fast. If you look at what that Texans offense did of, of uh, 36 targets, uh, Hopkins, 16 of those 36 targets. So they're going to have to throw to somebody else at least some mm. of the time. And I think that it could be Will Fuller when he comes back off of uh, the IR, which I think happens in the middle of the year. So if nothing else, you've got an open IR spot. You know, he's a guy you can pick up and put him there, and he might help you later this year. And he might not. It doesn't really cost you anything. So I kind of like picking up Will Fuller and, and plugging him in there. Will, what do you think of that? I can get I can get behind that. I'm not a huge Will Fuller fan overall. <laughs> There's a, I mean, I have, I have my personal biases of being a, a big Iowa Hawkeye fan and having Will Fuller, Fuller go to Notre Dame. But uh, <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I touted and owned a Notre Dame player on my fantasy teams, I'd have quite a few dollars. So uh, no, 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 no hatred there overall. My my thing is. Uh, and what made me think of it is you were, is you were chatting about this is so I, I like to take for sure. Will Fuller, great stash, uh, high draft capital, super athletic guy. And worst case scenario, Ted Ginn, right? Like Ted Ginn in, in his prime, right? Or like like good Ted Ginn, let's say. His 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 ceiling to me is good Ted Ginn, and that is yep. a startable flex wide receiver. Now, my uh, what I'm very curious about how it's going to work out is uh, and I, did Deshaun Watson play? when uh, DeAndre Hopkins was on Clemson, like his freshman year, were they at school at the same time? No, not whatsoever. You know, I, I I wouldn't bet bet money on it, but I I don't believe so. I don't think that they were. I think if Watson redshirted, he could have been thrown to Hopkins in practice. Right. And I can't forget the, I forget the guy's name, but I think that it was the quarterback that preceded Watson that, that was playing quarterback when Hopkins during Hopkins last season. But like starter versus bench is what I'm thinking. It's just like a general connection. I'm just curious. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe a quick stat look up for you guys uh, and, we, and decide. Because I think if, if, if that is true, like that's a weird, really weird connection that I think, I mean, Hopkins would make him a more of a buy than Fuller. And we'll see the way the rest of the Texans offense kind of goes out. I'm just super concerned about their offense. I don't trust anybody on that team right now. And so I love Will Fuller's a stash, especially in Dynasty. I wouldn't expect anything out of this year. Right. Yeah, no, no. And that's, that's fair. That's fair. And it may not work out, but I just think for, you know, what you can get them for and the fact that you can put them on your IR, I think there's some, some value to that. It's, it's a good strategy that many of us employ. And if you don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm all Ryan. I'm all in on that. I like, I think that's a great call. Um, if you look uh, again, player profiler, you know, his uh, closest comp in the NFL based on metrics is Mike Wallace. And so this is a guy, I mean, you have to take into consideration who has been throwing the football while Will Fuller has been in Houston. Um, And I'll tell you the answer. It hasn't been pretty. So I think that the opportunity, I think Deshaun Watson could truly be the answer there. Um, And I do believe that they're going to force DeAndre Hopkins, probably not 16 targets a game. uh, But I do believe that Will Fuller in a dynasty setting is a guy you could get for free or super cheap. Like you said, throw him on the near bench. And uh, if he doesn't work out, then in 12 months or 18 months, you cut him and pick up someone else. But he's certainly a guy I think that could uh, deliver. 
on a low very, risk, very high reward. Price. Absolutely. Yeah, Watson That's, and Hopkins, they they did not overlap. They missed each other by two years. Dang it. But they still have the college connection, so that's still powerful. Well, yeah. And well, if we, like Hopkins also threw like practice – or uh, sorry, uh, Watkins threw uh, passes to, the, to the, like, the Falcons players back in the day and things like that. Watson, not Watkins. Sorry. Missing the names there. Anyway, totally on board with the strategy. All right. He's free. And yeah. Ryan – And you I'm can cut just... that last part. It was bad. I'm just going to piggyback real quick on this, you know, because the, these two guys I put on the list, yep. I think are really similar to Will Fuller, same situation. Yep. And that's Mike Williams and John Ross. These are guys that were just taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft less than six months ago. And I have, I, crazy as it is, I saw Mike Williams hit the waiver wire today in a dynasty league that I'm in. And so I, I mean, I'm like, People, I mean, it sounds crazy, but there are people with very, very short memories. Go out there and throw an offer out. See if you can find someone that just lost a running back and you just grabbed uh, Shane Vereen off waivers and go out there and say, hey, you know, hey, you, you, looks like you maybe could use a running back. I'll give you Shane Vereen in my, you know, 2018 third for John Ross. I mean, he's not playing. And that guy who may be wanting to compete this year may be like, yeah, you know what? I'll do that. I just lost David John. I mean, th- I think there are some incredible deals that could be had on these guys. And it's not – this isn't a just this week. I mean, I don't think that John Ross is expected to play this week either. He missed week one. Mm-hmm. I know Mike Williams is out for an extended period of time. Um, these are guys that people just – they tend to forget. So I, I like both of those guys as, as incredible by lows as long as they're not playing. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, anyone else to mention before we move on? Any, any, uh, any other guys in the dumpster we want to pull out really quick? I would just like to give one comment on the, the trade portion of these players. And it goes in, you know, know your league, know who you're offering to, know what you're doing. And the one thing that I've seen lately is, is people will try to explain a trade offer to, to me or to other people when they're offering it. And if you're in a dynasty league and you have to try to explain to someone why the player is such a good value, I think you need to reevaluate why you're offering that trade. <laughs> and it's not, it's not, it's not just like, it, it's, I think it's just a rule of thumb, like uh, in the nicest, like in the nicest way possible. Cause I, I always respond with, with the, with my sincerity to say, Hey, I don't see this working out. Like you're offering this and this. And I've gotten it repeatedly where somebody will look at my team and be like, okay, well, I'm going to offer you like, let's use Kerwin Williams. They'll be like, Oh, Kerwin Williams is now the starter for, for the, the Cardinals. I'm going to offer you for a valuable piece. And it's like, if I didn't know Kerwin Williams was the starter for the team, you shouldn't be offering me that trade. Like that's, if you have to explain that in a dynasty league, I'm the wrong person to be trading with in general. Yeah. I, I think it. it's just like a fun, like, cause we're average guys, right? We're the fantasy Joes. We want to give like normal average people takes. And one of the things is if you have to try to explain a player in an offer, uh, you, you're already going downhill. I think you can offer a ex- great explanation of why you're offering the trade and why you want it and why it's good for them. But if you're talking about a specific player and why they're better, you're going to lose that trade offer. I think that's don't waste your time trying to explain it would be my suggestion. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. And we'll mention some of these things a lot, like how to trade, how not to trade, um, some strategies. Um, uh, these, these two gentlemen that I'm, I'm with this evening, uh, both Will and Trey are really great at trading. I'm, I'm okay, I think, but, but these guys are great at it. So uh, you can learn from some of the best. So we're going to move on to probably what's our favorite segment. I don't know if it's your favorite segment, dear listeners, but it's one of ours. And that's a segment we like to call Hot Spicy Bull Takes of the Week. And this week, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, tell you exactly how hot these hot bold spicy takes are. Is it a mild, you know, you go and you're just, you're not so sure how hot it's going to be. So you just take a mild. Is it medium? Is it hot or is it ghost pepper face melt? Blow up your face take. That's what we're <laughs> going to do. And, and I have to, we have to credit Trey Barrett because last week, and, and unfortunately the editor of the show, whoever that idiot is, Right. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> we're good. Cut, cut it out. And- <laughs> I wrote a librarian. Uh- <laughs> <sighs> so that that hot spicy take, um, you called it, man. The Chiefs taking down the Pats. Um, it, it, that that was great. That was a great call, and, and and you nailed it. And well done. Thanks, man. Thanks. And that was right after Ryan's hot take of saying the Pats are going to go undefeated. <laughs> So talking about take, 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 you didn't, you didn't taking someone else's really hot didn't. take and throwing it there on the it ground. No one would remember That's that. just what Trey did. Yeah. 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 That's not, funny. Not, not so much. Not so much. So not Trey, so fast. <laughs> Definitely high low of last week's podcast. Um, and so, so, so Trey, let, you, since you're the, you're the leader in the clubhouse with these takes um, for sure, why don't, you, uh, why don't you give the first one? So I've actually got another upset pick for this week. And I, you know, I, I wasn't going to necessarily like, I don't claim to be uh, some savant when it comes to picking NFL. I know the, the odds makers in Vegas, um, you know, are, are pretty good at setting lines and picking favorites and underdogs. And I'm probably a little bit skewed because I watched this team play on Monday night, um, watched the game pretty much beginning to end and walked away very, very impressed with the way they performed. Um, But the Minnesota Vikings opened as a seven-point underdog against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The game's in Pittsburgh. Um, The line has moved, which really means that there's some money coming in on Minnesota. And most places now have the line at either five and a half or six points. Yep. But for me, honestly, I think that Minnesota wins this game outright. I know that Will is hesitant to embrace his hometown Vikings and get swept <laughs> up in the hype of Dalvin Cook and the GOAT, Alex, uh, Alex Smith, Sam Bradford. That's <laughs> a tie. I mean, Stephon Diggs. I mean, th- this offense is really, you know, not to mention the great white hype that is Adam Thielen. So I – I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings to take down the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh's home opener on Sunday. Nice. I, I, I like it. And, and you know, it's, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's said where, what do you, what do you classify this? Is this mild, medium, hot or ghost pepper face melt? You know, I'd say it's probably on the mild side if I was just going to take them with the points, but to lay, you know, six points, um, and just pick them as an outright winner. I think it's got to probably get up into the hot category. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's like Parmesan garlic hot or 
Where are we I don't going know about here? that. It's no, no. I think it's spicier than that. It's a little, little spicier than. I mean, it's not Jay Cuddy, you know. But hey, that's spicy in, spicy out. Hot take, Jay Cuddy. I think most people would would characterize this as pretty hot. Um, I'm gonna. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's like a, like a uh, uh, it, it, oh, it's pretty hot, like. Uh, just, you know, you know, you start, let's get some sort of Is this is this jalapeno flaming cheddar Cheetos hot, or is this uh, like is, is this uh, you know the problem is you wasabi peas hot? Or? You mentioned Jake Cutler, so it just kind of like I was just like I started thinking of Jake Cutler, and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of hot. Jake Cutler. Ryan had flashbacks. The the Bears fan with flashbacks. <laughs> that's, that's I'm right. still I'm still laughing about Will's hot hot in hot out. <laughs> those would be my slid, hottest takes i'm gonna give one at least one hot in hot out take of the week oh man uh, you want to you want to do that now or you want me to go next well you go next i'm saving that one for last i got oh. some i got some mild some mild takes to go on okay yeah m- mine is i think it's pretty mild i i just want to say and we haven't mentioned this and it's important because of the rookie running back performances week one I mean, we probably don't have to there were some amazing performances and my odd take is that this is the year of the rookie running back. I think at least three rookie running backs will finish the year as RB1s and half-point PPR. And I think only four running backs that were running back ones in 2016 repeat. Um, we've already had one of those guys go down, right? So I don't think it's very hot. I think it's pretty mild. But I think it's pretty amazing. And, and I think we're, we're still going to see some guys come on the scene. I, I, I think that, that, uh, that Joe Mixon still is, is going to flash at some point this year. I still have hopes for – Samaje Pirine. I think that Alvin Kamara is is going to uh, is going to show us some stuff. So there's still some rookie running backs that that haven't haven't shown their best. It's it's the year of the rookie running back. Um, Can you? That's, what that's are my your? I'll take. What are your four? What, if you had four guesses from RB ones from last year to this year. Oh, that will I like repeat. It. No, yeah. the ones that will not repeat. Oh no, no, no. you said only four will. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to repeat? Yeah. Gotcha. I would think that um, I'm going to go um, – let's see, I wasn't prepared for this question. Uh, Le'Veon for sure, McCoy, I think Melvin Gordon. Was he, did he make RB1 or did his injury kind of cut him out of that? If he, if, uh, so, I think he – I believe he was. I think he was an RB1 last year. Yeah, and then I think the last guy I'll go with would be – did Jay Jai with his big performances make RB1? I'm not necessarily big on him, but I think he will finish as an RB1 this year. So those are my four guys. No Zeke, huh? Oh, I had, oh, yeah, yeah, Zeke. I'm so sorry. I just so, but you said so you had Le'Veon McCoy, Ajayi, and Zeke now. Yeah, I'll throw I'll throw I'll throw Zeke in there. So that's counting out Freeman, Gordon, Howard. Yeah, I, I think Howard is going to lose Frank Gore. He's yeah, going to lose Frank Gore, I guess. <laughs> and, I, and I think there'll be some. Talk about a dumpster dive. I think there'll be some injuries too. You got some of those guys that have a lot of mileage on them. You've got uh, Demarco Murray. You've got, um, uh, you know, Shady. They, 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 some of the RB1s from last year have a lot of mileage on them. So I think that we're going to see some more injuries or guys missing time. Not that they won't necessarily be good when they're playing. But, th- yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my mild take, guys. It's not, it's not so hot. It's, it's pretty mild. It's family-friendly. You can give it Ooh, to the kids. It's almost spurred on a hot take on this end. But <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, all right. All right. So, Will, why don't you get us warmed up with your not, not hot in, hot out so, take I'm going to start you guys off low and, and I would like to get through all these. So I'm just going to go, uh, Malcolm Mitchell does not take another step as a snap as a Patriot. I feel like that's pretty mild, pretty mild take. 
Uh, but I think in Dynasty, it matters in what you're doing. Uh, I, think, I think Matt Mitchell's done as a Patriot. Interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Why, why, do you, why do you think that? Any, any reasoning behind that? What's the thought process? Uh, I, there just wasn't enough news leading up to him going on IR this year, especially after his performances last year in the playoffs and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And they, and I think, I think he went on IR after Amendola, or after Edelman went down. So uh, yeah, he did. I, I think that they chose not to – they chose to have roster space over having him available later in the year. So they prefer receivers like Amendola and bringing in a door set and things like that. I, I think he's done as a Patriot. I think it's just the Patriots' way. You, you had a flash in the pan a little bit, and we're going to get hyped about it because that's a great offense. But I, my, when, when, I, when I think about, like, my gut feeling about it, and, if it, and I do think it is a hot take, yeah, but it's a hot. mild hot take – that I just think he's done. All right. Good, good. Um, definitely a guy that I think in some dynasty leagues, you've got shallow benches. People are like, do I keep this guy? Do I not? Um, that, that's good. So we're going to, we're going to move a little bit faster. Uh, Trey, what's your next take? So I thought because I was able to nail the uh, Chris Carson leading the Seattle backfield in half PPR points last week, I'd go with another player pick. And uh, this guy finished as a top six tight end last week. He happens to have a matchup this week uh, against the defense that gave up the second most touchdowns to the tight end position last year. Uh, That's 12. This guy also in his last five games has averaged 14.1 fantasy points in a half PPR format. And that's including a game where he registered three catches for 20 yards. And I'm talking about none other than the superstar that is Charles Clay. Charles Clay for me finishes for the second consecutive week to start the season as a top six tight end. And I don't think, I think that's medium. I don't think that's super hot. I think if you look at the matchup and you consider the amount of volume he's getting right now in that passing game, the fact that Tyrod Taylor, also known as Ty Goat, uh, is playing quarterback for his team. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. All right. What you got? Uh, yeah, for my for my next hot take, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good that's a good call there. I think Charles Clay is is a good shot at that. Yeah, my my next one. This is actually my last one. I only have one one more prepared, and this is that the Ravens D again has another dominant performance, and that's not so hot because they're they're playing uh, Cleveland, right? But it's I think it's the defense to own in 2017. It, you know, if you look at this team, what they did in the offseason, they spent 100 million dollars on their defense. They picked four defensive players uh, in the first three rounds of the draft. They've got some some old, old, nice plenty of old and new talent. They got T. Sizzle, uh, Terrell Suggs, who's still got it. Tony Jefferson, draft picks like Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, a mighty SEC defensive <laughs> player. Um, I, I actually think, along with this take, they're going to be a dominant defense. They're going to they're going to win you some fantasy weeks if you have them, and I think they're going to win the AFC North. You know, Minnesota is going to help with that weekend. But I think they're going to do it with the defense. I think their offense has just enough. Um, so, yeah, don't sleep on the Ravens' D. And if you can get them, um, get them. I, I, I think they, they looked really good. So, that's my, that's my take. I think that's pretty hot. That's a pretty hot I one. like it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like I'm going to change up some lineups now because, I, I mean, <laughs> I like your hot takes. Trades are more accurate as of recently, yeah. but yeah. I, yeah. I do like yours. Yeah, so we'll, change we'll, we'll see. Well, Cleveland will put up 45 points against them this week. I'm sure. No, <laughs> you're welcome, Cleveland Browns fans. 
Well, yeah, after Andy Dalton lit him up. Okay. Deshaun uh, Kaiser's first NFL victory. A couple more so guys. So I think just I think just minor left, right? I, so I, I'm just gonna, I'm just oh, gonna yeah. roll these off. Okay, good, good. Here we go. Because we got we got a little bit of time here left. Uh, one, my buddy, my best friend, Jonathan Stewart, houses two tutties this week. As I feel like that's a pretty spicy hot take. That's spicy and spicy, yeah, but he goes for two. My prediction at the beginning of the year was that he sets a record, a personal record in touchdowns for this season, and two touchdowns this week is going to help that because I think he's going to start tailing out, tailoring off after this week. So two toadies for Jay Stu. The other one, this week, so the Falcons are at Green Bay. Tevin Coleman outscores Devonta Freeman in half-point PPR, and let's just say standard. I don't know about, I don't know about PPR, if Freeman's been counting the Dinkin' Dunks, but – uh, Tevin Coleman outscores Devontae Freeman with another spicy and spicy out hot take from the Fantasy Joes. That's a great spicy and spicy out. That's a that's a great win to the show, guys. We're we're out of time. I want to thank everyone again for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. We come out with you weekly on Thursdays with new episodes, so be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter. Trey is at, at Trey Barrett. Will is at Fantasy Joe underscore Will. And I'm, of course, at Roto Librarian. You can follow the show on Twitter at, at FF Joe's. And on behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joe's. Fantasy Joe's. Fantasy Joe's. Fantasy Joe's. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Good night.